Okay, that's awesome. Okay. Oh, hi, you're listening to Service from Hell, a podcast featuring people that are currently in customer service positions or the lucky few that got out and all the good, bad and infinitely irritating things that go along with that work. I'm actor and writer Kate Gaffney, and I'm uniquely qualified to discuss this as I currently work at a very busy and very popular comedy club in Los Angeles. And at least one of you listening right now has probably grabbed me and told me we're ready to order when I was running around like a crazy person. So let's eat. I'd like to welcome our guest, Lucas Hurl. Originally from Des Moines, Iowa, Lucas decided to give up living in the Midwest, obviously, to pursue a career in comedy. As a paid regular at the world-famous comedy store, Lucas is an extremely talented comic and one of my favorite people there, producer and writer. You may also recognize his voice from the podcast he co-hosts with Brenton Biddlecombe and Steve Ranazizi, What's the Odds, for Bill Burr's All Things Comedy Network. He's also one of the only comics I've ever heard say that he wants to make the world a better, easier-to-live-in place and wants to give back to a world that has given him so much. Isn't that absolutely lovely? I better know Lucas from passing him in the halls of the comedy club where he performs all the damn time pre-COVID and having him sling me a customer drink or two every so often way in the past. So Lucas, tell us, hello, it's so good to see you. Why did you leave Iowa? What got you into comedy and out of a family of farmers, etc.? Fill us in. Uh, I left Iowa in fall of 2009 because there was no comedy scene there. <laughs> And now there's a comedy scene. Wait, is there really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. There's like a lot of, like there's a diverse scene. And there's a comedy club like a less than a mile from my parents' place. Oh, wow. Yeah. No. And like they have a funny bone out there, but it's not, I don't know if they've even been open during this whole COVID thing. But there was like no way to develop out there. So I kind of knew, I knew about the comedy store growing up and I, for some reason, was just drawn to it. Okay. So take me, but go, let's go way, way, way back. So you're living in Des Moines where there is no comedy scene. How could you have the gall to even see yourself as a comic? Like at what point in your timeline of life did you, were you watching a bunch of comedy specials on TV or listening to them and then thinking, I can do that or I want to do that? Or did you have sort of an epiphany where you were like, that's me? You know, I saw Mitch Hedberg when I was 19. It was, I was my second year in college and it was like five weeks before he died. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I was with my brothers and I drove, I, you know, I was at school in Iowa City and we drove to Des Moines, which is like a couple hours away in the middle of school year. But you know, he was, you know, Stephen Lynch at all? Yeah. Okay. He was on tour with Stephen Lynch. They're co-headlining and Stephen Lynch canceled that gig. So the opener got bumped up to feature and the opener was Al Madrigal. So I remember seeing Al Madrigal, like his first, he was only a few years into comedy. And then I, you know, what was like four or five years later, moved to LA and worked at the comedy store and I meet Al Madrigal and I, he's a completely different. Like when I first saw him, he's talking about being a Mexican American from San Fran and just kind of the stereotypical jokes, kind of the same thing that I do with like farm material now, just because it will get some sort of chuckle amongst almost everybody. And then I saw Al years later and he really found his own unique voice. And so I just kind of that kind of validated the decision because I loved Mitch Hedberg and I had a really depressing teenage and, and college, you know, years. And whenever I was sad, I would always watch Mitch Hedberg's half hour. Like it, he was just not comfortable. He showed you that you didn't have to be comfortable to like be on stage. He just stared at the ground and wore sunglasses. I was kind of drawn to that, that you don't have to be Jim Carrey. You don't have to be extroverted. Yeah, that's profound. I wouldn't have thought that that would be something that would speak to people, but he's one of the first comics I remember loving as well. And that's so interesting. You're right. He was, he seemed wildly uncomfortable on stage, but it was so authentic. I think people attached to his authenticity. Yeah. He, and also he was a brilliant comic. Okay. So, you, so you see him when you're 19 and do you remember at the show being like, oh, because he's sort of a brand I can identify with, I want to do the thing he is doing? Or was it just, oh, that was a cool show? Not at the time, but like years later, yes. You know, like when I first got out here, it's like, okay, if I had to pinpoint when I really wanted to, found out I wanted to do what I ended up doing, it was, it was even back then, like, cause I always toyed with, you know, if I w had a real job, I'd want to go to med school. And that's what brought me to Des Moines. I graduated college about two years before that. And I was saving up money for gra for some sort of grad school, but I didn't know what. You know, because that's just what you're told. I feel like an idiot for getting a four-year degree. Same. <laughs> same. Definitely You know, same. we have many other friends that are way more successful that dropped out. Facts. Didn't, didn't even finish high school, some of them. Yeah. No. 
It was fun though. I'm glad. I'm glad I stayed in Iowa for those two years. I got to like. I helped with the Obama campaign. I got to meet Obama. Got to do a lot of cool things that like you only get to do if you're like in Iowa. Sure. Okay. So you. So you're two years there saving up, and then at what point in that two years did you say? Oh, no. Fuck this. Grad school? No. I'm moving to L.A. It was May of 2009. I had my best friend uh, since I was two years old. He moved. He lived out here. And I went to grade school with him and then high school. And his name's Joe Gillette, just like the shaving company. That's awesome. And and he, he moved out here and he has had a really good job. Still lives out here. And uh, that's really the difference. If I had a friend in New York, that's where I would have been. I, you know, I have no interest in being on TV or anything like that, per se. I'm not an actor. And that's what really pissed me off about comedy in L.A. is that so many actors and homeless people do it. <laughs> you know, like, that's the hardest fucking part. You got to sift through that garbage. Oh, it's so real. Does that do you find that that sort of uh, makes the medium a little less not authentic, but a little less, I guess, talent heavy in L.A.? Because it's so many people being like, I can do this thing. This is easy. Yeah, and it's terrible. I mean, it only can, it, you know, it's just a bad heap of shit that keeps compounding itself. Like, there's nothing good that comes out of it. Yeah. I did a, it, it, I guess you you kind of do improv, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay. While I was home, I did a show, and it was my first time on stage in like five months. And now, like, Iowa has a scene, and they have a club, and I headline the club, but I followed an hour and 20 minutes of this improv troupe, and I just so wanted to shit on them. <laughs> you should have. <laughs> I, I should have. Well, the owner of the club was in the improv group. <laughs> so I just had a bad set in front of my friends and family. <laughs> Wait, were you just like, was that, I mean, how do you, this is, I will never understand multi sort of media shows that are like, we're going to go from improv to stand up to a guitar to a <laughs> mime. And you're like, where, where are people's brains with, I can't, that makes me crazy. So did you find yeah. you had to come out of the gutter of a terrible improv set before? Yeah. And have a terrible stand up set. Oh, that sucks. Was you it know? partially because it had been five months since you had performed or was it just because you were like this? Oh improv? yeah. Oh yeah. My material is crap. <laughs> and it was also, you know, the, I've bombed in front of my family a few times and it's so good. And I listen to all my sets. I, you know, like I don't drive in LA either. That's what I like about living out here is like I take Uber everywhere and I religiously listen to every set three times at least. And when I listen to those sets in front of the family, like those are especially cringeworthy, but I still do it. Sure. But I also was cognizant of not doing anything in front of them twice, even though I did a couple jokes twice. Oh, interesting. Yeah. My my mom is very astute. She she has told me before, like, don't do that farmer's daughter joke anymore. It's overplayed. And, you know, and like, and so I haven't done the joke since. As my only... I, She's like paying attention so she can give you notes that you are like, oh, she has the same comedy ear. Yeah. Yeah. She was a, she you know, she was a theater major and she did a, at Iowa and um, I think it was Iowa. I don't know. She did a lot of plays growing up. Okay. And so when I, when I left Iowa, I was the only one first in the family to leave. She kind of, I think really admired that. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Okay. So you move, you move to LA in 2009. Do you move in with Joe Gillette or do yep. you find your own? You do. Yeah. Okay. We have a six bedroom house. It's a seven bedroom house, six guys. It's Liz Taylor's old house. She lived there for 11 years. It's at Hollywood and Wilton. If you know where that's at, like Franklin village. It was so, yeah, it was like a hundred year old house and it was great. We had parties and like that was, I've never, I've, I've always paid rent in LA. You know, that's, I'm sure you're the same. Like a lot of my friends, they, they slept on couches, didn't pay shit. And I'm, you know, wish I could do that, but I got to have like a shower. I need like certain things. I need a living, you know, need your own space arrangement. Yeah. Well, to be creative, I find that if I'm not getting enough sleep and enough, you know, taking care of myself i i can't the the tank is empty and cre the creative tank is massive how much it requires to be churning out ideas all the time yeah okay so you move into this house are you getting good sleep are you deciding to go into com are you like hitting up the comedy store are you what's your next step i'm hanging i'm going to all as a, many open mics as there were at the time you know, like, like the Laugh Factory was like the first one I hit up and haven't been back there since. Are you serious? Maybe a couple times, but not much. No, I thought that place was like so cool. And then I then I just kind of became smarter. 
but I was hanging out at the store mostly. You know, the store was kind of just like this weird dark place that nobody went to. And I, I'm like, you know, I heard Robin Williams, you know, started here and Jim Carrey and all these people. And now it's like a ghost town. And it was very depressing. Even the door guys, the door people like Hinchcliffe was a door guy, Matt Edgar, Benji. And a couple of them were very kind of downers and just you know i i credit our class you know i started hanging out there and it was about september of 09 september 1st was my first day in la wow and i started hanging out there right away every night until 2 a.m cool. and i got hired in february and i got my first shift in march of 2010 yeah and i worked there like exactly 10 years because then COVID hit. But you start hanging out there and you're, was that during the dark days of the store that they reference when Rogan was gone and there was sort of, they couldn't sell out and they were having a hard time. They weren't even open seven days a week. Yeah. It's so weird because there's that period of time feels so insanely net, like not real to me because I first met the store in I think 2016 and I started working there in 2018 and it was like I mean going off all the time and so when people talk about oh no you had to work all three rooms to even scrape together two nickels and I'm like what like we're selling out the main room twice a night seven nights a week or six nights a week that's insane to me so it'll be interesting to see sort of post-covid what happens okay so you start working there and then at what point are you what was your process to getting past to become paid regular because it's extremely extremely rare and super 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 hard especially because did you start in the door person program or did you get hired as a yeah you did oh no yeah they wouldn't hire bartenders to to be comedians okay so how did you how did you get picked what was your sort of process of becoming a paid regular i got i'm sure you've heard it about tommy morris the old talent coordinator yeah entertaining guy and i owe a lot to him he he brought me in and i was not worthy of being a door guy like you know me and matt edgar i think he hired without like had ever seen us and so he kind of asked me like he gave me a belly room spot i don't know if that was a tryout or some sort of audition like that place does but he asked me if I could drive stick shift because the lot guy had just gotten fired. And I told, and I, and, and I, he said, it doesn't matter if you can, just lie and say you can. And I did. And I taught myself to drive stick shifts, but I, I worked in the lot for a year. And then the next summer, a bunch of bartenders went on vacation at the same time. And it was just a, a looser run atmosphere. Sure. Then now, you know, like the, the great, yeah, the greatest thing to ever have in the comedy store is Eric Anderson. Like he came in and I've never seen a guy be able to change a culture like he did, but he did it. Really? Oh yeah, forever respect for that man. Like he whipped it into shape in a situation where everything was kind of chaos? Yeah, because the GM before, Dean, like... I was a comedian. I shouldn't have been bartending. And I was working the front bar within like a year. And I remember, you know, Tony was getting out of bar, out of being a door guy. And he's like, saw me behind the bar. And he's like, you should not be back there. Like, <laughs> it, like I was an alcohol, not an alcoholic, but I was 20, you know, 24, 25. And I partied. Sure. And it, free alcohol and a great new job. And especially then, yeah, the business was half of what it, you know, is now. And it, so it, it's it's the funnest job we'll ever have. Mm. I view the comedy story. I mean, do you ever think of it like that? Like, yeah, it's the most it's the wild, wild west. And it's the craziest, like no rules. I have said some shit that like anywhere else would have put me on some sort of list where I would have never been hireable in L.A. before or ever again. So, yeah, I mean, it has aspects. It is the most stressful serving job, bartending job, anything I've ever had in my life just because of the volume and the pace. Yes, it's it's insane. But I also am not I don't like being like, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Because even when I bartended, I haven't bartended at places where it was like a club scene. So you could, you know, kind of take your time with people. Yeah. It is tough for me to be like, yeah, yeah, I don't have time. Shut up. What do you want? What, blah, 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 blah. Like that's a little hard. Yeah. I mean, I started bartending in Des Moines. So it was like, was it like that or there or was it kind of more sort of? No, it was a Marriott. It was like a, it was a Renaissance hotel. Oh. So it was like four or five. It wasn't quite five stars. I think it was four or trying to be four. So like they really, you know, you had, there's a way to speak. Sure. Definitely couldn't say the, sh you know, the stuff you do at the store. Oh my gosh. No way. And, and it was, yeah, yeah, no, it was great. It was a job. I remember like during the caucuses, which you're into politics, you know that. And in 08, like John Edwards lived at the hotel. Oh, that would have been cool. Yeah. Just to like have those interactions. Well, I used to always see that woman he had the affair with just like going through the lobby around midnight. Get oh, yeah. Are you serious? Oh, yeah. When that came out, I was like, oh, okay. I knew something was up. <laughs> I took room service up to him. He, he had that Southern politician smile I just don't trust. 
Oh, I cannot wait to get into your customer service like series of jobs. I cannot wait. Okay, so real quick. Okay, so you so you are working through the store. So so Tommy, you eventually start bartending. He tries you out, gives you the belly room. You perform. Things are fine. What was your transition, or how did you find out that you had become you got passed? So I got passed seven years of being a door guy. There was a big showcase. I don't know. Were you there that night? It was a Monday. I, w- I don't even think. And Adam had. I wasn't there yet, I don't think. Because I didn't start there until 2018. Okay. When did you get, did you get passed in? It was August 2017. I wasn't there yet. Okay. Okay. So it was right before you must have. Yep. Because it was any door guy or girl that had been there for two, at least two years. And it was like three hours. No, it wasn't three hours. It was probably two, two to probably two hours, 15 minutes, I would say, a straight showcase. And I, I went up last. Oh, they did you a solid. That's a, They did that for Punky, too, when she got passed. Yeah. They, Joe put her, Fifi now, uh, put her at the last sort of slot. So that's that somebody wanted you to succeed. Yeah, it was Skakel hosting. Uh, oh, I what up, Earl? I love him so much. Yeah, I love it. Okay, no, he's he's special. And I I went up and I prepped so hard for this freaking five minutes. Like I I'd been a, just obsessed with this for the last month. And I three jokes in, I fuck I I put the the punchline in the intro. And you know that feeling when you just you're in the middle of your words and you know that you know there's like a hundred. And, you shot the bed. Yeah, and I said and. I guess my move in the moment was to say the joke anyway. Good joke. And I just straight up said, I fucked up. Aww. And they, and it, it worked. And I had them since then. Because there's a, there's a, like, I, I really believe this, Kate, that, like, when it comes to training or when it comes to over preparing for anything, you want to get it so ingrained in your head that when that moment does happen where, you fuck up you have you know you you have the resources to deal with that situation because had i not like rehearsed that set so much that that moment i i wouldn't have i guess ben is genuine also sure it was a really genuine like like i screwed up they knew it i called it out and everything was fine and then since then i knew everything like the rest of the set will be okay adam called me the next day i'll never forget it was like maybe like 11 15 a.m and he started the conversation kind of saying like he did good but you know i want to see the, and then he ended it by saying your past and i was like wow i was in tears and uh josh got passed too which if he would have gotten passed and i didn't Ooh. i i would have quit would you really have no but i would have like <laughs> i would have wanted to leave i you know he would have been unbearable sure yeah. Because I bartend with him or did. So Lucas, the detail he's leaving out is uh, Josh is one of his closest friends at the store. And I really like Josh. Josh works. Not at all. <laughs> Josh works his ass off. I do actually like him, but he is pretty insufferable. <laughs> like he's a nice guy. And his, I will say, is genuinely very funny. I laugh at his shit. But he when he thinks you are wrong because he's a rules person, when he thinks you are wrong behind the bar, Good luck ever getting a drink again from him. He will sit on your tickets. He will. I mean, he is, uh, he's got some stuff to work through and some resentment. He is, he is king petty. 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 (laughs) And there's too many of us working at the store that are also petty. So the, the crash of all of these petty personalities means everybody's on one all the time, but go ahead. So had he passed, you're like, it would have been awful, but you both passed at the same time. So were you over the moon? Were you like, Oh, it's off to the races now. Uh, Oh, yeah. That Tuesday was like one of the best days of my life. I got Chipotle with Dean Del Rey. Aww. And I went to, to bartend that night, you know, to do my usual Tuesday night shift. Busiest night of the club. Josh is comes in at, you know, like 6.30, like he always does. He's got nowhere to go. He's got no home. <laughs> Facts. That's actually true. Lucas is not making that up. He was living in his car. Yeah. Good. You know, he's one of those employees that just hangs out there when he's not working. Yep. And it's like, I don't get it. I don't either. And that night, like, you know, Tuesdays always have the greatest lineups. And Rogan came in and we were doing shots. I'll never forget this. We were doing shots. And we were, like, kind of, we were decently busy. It, was, it wasn't any more busy than we are at any other point between 8.30 and 11.30. You know what I mean? Like, we aren't overwhelmed. Yeah. But Rogan wanted to make a big deal about, hey, you, you both just got passed. Oh. Let's do a round of shots. So we did. I'll never forget. Do you remember the server, Megan? I didn't work there when she did, but I've heard plenty of okay. stories. Okay, let's not shit on her too much. But she was just, she's like, um, excuse me, can you make my tickets? And 
I think I might have hopefully taken an extra second longer just not to make them. <laughs> just because, like, because of the time, I kind of felt guilty. Like, okay, she is trying to work. But then immediately it's like, well, we just got past and, you know, Rogan's wanting to celebrate with us. No matter how busy we are, you know, as a server, too. Same thing with, you know, whatever craziness happened, you know, we adapted the store. And like, yeah, that was I don't know. I'll never forget that of her interrupting that special moment. (laughs) Jesus. Well, and also Rogan keeps the lights on in that place. So even when I am like or did. When I'm slammed and he happens to be at the well where I'm like waiting for all of my tickets, I know his drinks are getting made first because he tips his ass off. He's lovely to everyone. And he'll always, you know, sort of acknowledge he knows he's bumping ahead of us. But it's like he keeps the lights on in that place. So if my tables are waiting 30 seconds longer and that means they don't tip me as well, which I get stiff there all the time. So I don't care. In my head, I'm like, but this person is of more value to my long term financial sort of situation he's also a value apart from my money but he's a value and so i'm like well am i going to the the customer that doesn't understand that an extra 30 seconds isn't going to ruin their night do i care more about that customer do i care about keeping this comic happy who brings me thousands of dollars over the long term because he sells out the rooms it's like no he can he can go ahead and bump ahead whenever he wants to like yeah there was one time just to throw a rogan story in here this is about that there was one time he found me i was working the green room and he didn't order anything that night but i'd like i think two comics ordered from me and then i was hanging out and then i was like all right i'm gonna leave because i was only working the green room and as i didn't expect a tip at all and he ran after me and found me gives me this huge hug he's like don't leave kate don't leave before you get your money and i was like you didn't order any drinks for me and he hands me a hundred dollar bill and he was like you worked the room you get and i was just like that's the side of rogan i feel like people that talk a lot of shit about him don't see so anyway yeah that's not about that we're talking about you though no i, I gotta imagine that's how work in the comedy like the green room is yeah half of them don't tip mm-hmm. but the other half more than tip correct that's 100 percent accurate okay so that night so you celebrate and then so you are get us to today so you do you start performing there regularly or sort of what is the shift once you're a paid regular is it like gates open now you just perform whenever you want or how does it work yeah, it's you get at least this, you know, where I'm at. It's like one spot a week because I've I've been there through thick and thin. Sure. You know, like I just it's my home club. It's every comedian needs that spot where they can feel free to go up and try anything. Mm-hmm. Any 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 I guess I need to explore that even more. But like you feel safe there. And so I, I get one spot a week plus the benefit of bartending or working there is that like on Tuesdays and Wednesdays, they don't have a closer. So if you're working, you get that first fallout spot. And so Tuesdays, I would just go up every two, you know, for the last two and a half years going up first in the last spot of every Tuesday. And I remember I like just exhausted from working that, you know, like six sold out rooms. Ugh. And just the busiest, and half the time, I, you know, I'd have wet pants on stage because oh, the, you know, the bartender's well leaks, so that right pant leg would just be soaked, and there's no worse feeling than being wet. And I'd go on stage with, you know, a wet pant leg and try eight minutes of new jokes, and I learned to bring new pants, and new <laughs> socks, and new shoes. Because that night was, bit, you know, it's the busiest night of all. Yeah. And the other th- crazy thing about Tuesday is that was my first bartending shift. Like, I was a fill-in for, a f- you know, five, six months, and then th- the, who I, the guy that worked Tuesdays, he wasn't a comedian, he wasn't Thai, he was just a white dude named Andrew, great guy. But it wasn't a comedian, like had no, like, a, it was just a different, it was like a bar then, you know, it wasn't the comedy mecca that it, that, you know, the resurgence made it, but he left and Tuesday was open and they wanted two people to do it. And Toby picked me to work with them. And it was the deadest night of the week. We'd make like 70 bucks, you know, which is like on an average night, you'd make 70, 80 bucks. That's... And then it became crazy Tuesday within... You know, I break it into when Rogan wasn't coming to the store, and then 2014, he started coming again. It's crazy the pull that one person can have. I mean, he's... Yeah. That's that's just... It's sort of... It, it's kind of frightening, actually, that one person has that much power. Yeah. I mean, it, I, I also... Cre- I really credit Joey Diaz. He was the first... <laughs> he him. showed up a Wednesday, and then Rogan showed up the following Tuesday for the first time in years. But Joey was kind of the first one to come, and I think that showed Joe, like... Okay, the store is a different place than I thought it was. It's cool again. 
Because I remember, no, I've never seen comedians huddle in the back of the OR watching Joey. I've never seen them do that for anybody else. He was really one of a kind. That guy is so special. Oh, I, I love him endlessly. Yeah. Okay. So, well, that kind of, that gets us up to today. Even now, now you know, everything's shut down with COVID. So, you're staying in LA pumping out stuff, which we will talk about later. But we hope everybody, we hope you enjoyed your apps. We're going to go to the entrees after a quick break. We're back. And now it is time for the entrees. Okay, so this is the super speedy speed round of questions that is all about customer service because, yes, folks, he has worked in customer service. Okay, so what was your first job ever, ever, ever? Paper out. Okay. Nine years old. You were nine? Yeah. How much would you make and how many houses would you have to do? It was like, it took about an hour. It was six days a week. Sundays you got off. It's called the Oskaloosa Herald. But the pain in the ass is, I think I got paid about 60 bucks a month, but you had to collect. Oh, my. Which I'm sure you know what that is, yes, right? Yes, that's so annoying. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm sure they don't do that anymore. Like now when you pay for the paper, you have to pay right away and you do it with a credit card. But back in the day, they used to make a, a nine-year-old come to your house and ask you for money. I remember there were a couple people that like you knock on the door and you knew they were home you could hear appliances on. You see people behind windows and like shut and blind. Oh and it's like you're you're hiding from a nine year old. Who need whose paper you've already read, you selfish jerks. <laughs> That's crazy. Okay, so and So that comes out of your pay. Wait, would you take your bike or would you would someone drive you around or how would you deliver the papers? I, I walked. It was right in my neighborhood. Okay. And, you know, the pain is whenever I would want to leave or go anywhere, you had to have a substitute and the substitute would always screw up and you'd hear about it. It's like, it's not worth it for 60 bucks. Kids were getting hosed in the 90s. Yeah. And getting hosed. And also Iowa winters are no joke. I mean, you're delivering papers 360, well, minus the Sundays or whatever, 300 some odd days a year. That sucks. Right. Yeah. At nine. That's crazy. Okay. How many customer service jobs have you had total? And I'm counting that one. So that's number one. So delivering papers is one. Okay. Take your time. Probably about four or five. I mean, I've had most of my jobs for a long time. Like my job as a teenager, I was a busboy at the same hotel, the Marriott, the Savory that I became a bartender at. I started when I was 16. I left when I was like 23 or 24 just because I would work there, uh, you know, coming back from summers in college. You know, it was a great job. They loved me. So really, like I view my biggest jobs as like that. Like as a busboy and then later a bartender at a Marriott and then the comedy store. Like I had that job for seven years and I've had the store for 10. Okay. Well, that makes sense. So paper route, busboy, bartender, and then the store. So really four. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's... I, wor- I worked... Uh, I For eight years, I worked in video games in Hollywood or in LA here. Um, I was a voiceover director and coordinator for video... For like big... Like RPGs and stuff. That's awesome. Yeah. So I used to get brought to the stage as like a director on Elder Scrolls Skyrim and Halo. And I, I, the crowd doesn't give a shit. Wait, yeah, somebody, some, no, no, no. Uh, hi, Mike Smith and Don Smith. I know you're listening because you guys are good friends. They absolutely are going to geek out on that. So that's actually five because I think directing is a version of customer service, even though it's sort of we don't view it that way because you're not interacting with like, you know, people in the same way. I still think that that's a version of, you know, you got to play Kate, you got to whatever so i do think that there's some of that what what got you are, are you oh, yeah. are you doing that now or is that done no i stopped about two years ago why did you stop it's contract work you know it was great but it was like the title's amazing the pay was not as good as bartending at the comedy store that's crazy like as crazy as that it like way more responsibilities way more shit to do not worth it yeah i kind of realized like oh I've, I've been saving money for eight years i'm tired of working yeah, I don't want to kill myself. Were you doing that? You had to have been doing that simultaneously with the store, right? Yeah, I was a bar back on Fridays. I remember I was working on... Have you ever heard... There, there's a game called Skyrim. It came out in like 2011. But there, that summer, I was working on that like every day from like 8 to 6. And then bar backing on the weekends. And it, it really killed me. Yeah, it I was, was going to say you're not sleeping. I, I can't. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, I couldn't. That wouldn't have worked for me. How are you coming up with the energy to do either? Not well. Yeah. You have to be a caffeine person. Oh, yeah. I always. Yeah. No, I drink three or a couple cups of coffee a day. 
but I wasn't handling either of them really well. You know, there were a couple of years at the store where like, I kind of view the store as like college where I stayed a little too long. And like, there are a couple of years where I, I don't feel like I was really growing. Like I was going up on stage and bombing consistently, but if that's growing, but like, <laughs> I wasn't, you know, I was, I wasn't trying to like really think about who I am and what I want to say. It was more like, oh, these stupid jokes work. They aren't me at all, but. <laughs> but it doesn't matter. I'm getting up because I've had two hours of sleep in the last two weeks. So yeah. this will yeah. do. Yeah. Jeez. And also you work at the comedy, if you work at the comedy store as a comedian, and you do, you feel like entitled to a spot, kind of like sure. there, it was a different generation of door people before Adam got there, where you had to really the talent coordinator didn't guarantee that you got a spot on Mondays, Jeez. and you had to like kind of be an annoying asshole. Some people did to the host, where you know, like it, it's it was a real shit show. Adam really kind of got that thing organized, where okay, door people get up first because you work here. But when I was a door guy, there, you know, probably. Sixty percent of the door people got up. If you were there less than two years, there's a good chance you didn't. Well, Rick Ingram talks well, about that a lot. He said that there were. He said that now with all of the like his experience with a lot of the door people in the last few years, he's like, how do they get away with this attitude? And like, how do they get away with talking to people this way? They they we didn't get up on stage hardly ever. He said I had to claw my way into spots. He was like, and I was cleaning toilets at the time, and now you guys have a cleaning crew and also a guarantee. He was like, this is bullshit. He's talked about it a lot yeah and you see it in the in the in the development like the laziness i guess that and the terrible attitude definitely yeah it shows itself yeah i don't miss dealing with that personality piece okay all right so which was your favorite job of all five of those customer service jobs gotta be the comedy store okay a lot of people say that punky said the same thing okay why there's no place like it. It's true. Like, if it, all you got to be is genuine. That's fair. That's, That's actually totally fair. <laughs> yes. Which makes it crazy. Yeah. Yeah. I've, uh, it's, it's the things that have been said to me by fellow employees and the things that have happened to me there. I'm like, am I tolerating abuse? What is happening? And then I become abusive towards someone and I was like, Oh, right. Okay. So we all have to tolerate some abuse because I think I'm a nice person. And then I've said some horrible shit to people. So I walk that Uh, line. I walk that line. I've seen, I've seen a couple people. There was one waitress when I started bartending. Her name started with a G, but she, she, and she was a good soul and had a lot of acting credits. Like she was here for the right reasons. Like she was a, you know, a lot of, a lot of people get employed by the store and they make more, more money than they thought they would. And that's their new thing. And they really don't, you know they like a lot of people they just their career is second fiddle Mm -hmm. but she was like really on the career and got had a lot of a lot of acting credits was on like had a recurring role in desperate housewives i think but she was too sensitive for the comedy store oh really like and and some of the banner that that happened at that back bar like i'm not one to police myself but i'm like if you can't handle this you're you're gonna and she she ended up quitting but she worked there she worked there for a few years. Like, she really gave it a thought before she's like, oh, this, I can't. This isn't me. You do have to, I mean, I, I have, I would agree that there's a piece of you that, it's not even just thick skin. It's like, you have to sort of compartmentalize people away from their comedy. And you also have to tolerate some behavior that, you, and I don't mean there is, I'm, I'm not saying the sexual stuff at all. I mean more that someone might like run you run into you with a tray or someone might tell you to fuck off and they mean it. And you have to kind of just be like, either I roll with these punches, understanding that everyone is under an enormous amount of stress yeah, or I have to quit because it, it can, it started to chip away at my soul when I was really like taking it personally and saying like, why is everyone so mean here? Like, I don't understand. Can't we just all be like friends? And then it was like, Oh no, this job is too hard. You actually like, there's no time to hold hands with everyone and tell them they're great. And you have to take the stress and frustration of working in that environment with that many customers arguing you arguing with you about the drinks and arguing with with you about various things or standing up in the middle of a show or recording or whatever. You have to take it somewhere because otherwise you're going to drive off a cliff. So and it often gets taken at the to the back bar or to the service. Well, yeah. Yeah, that's what I don't miss is the like I'd come in with a fine attitude, but you get enough. You just it just takes one, mm-hmm. and there's gonna be you're you're at the comedy store. There's gonna be shitheads every night. Yes, you're dealing with so many people. Yes, 
and and so many times it gets brought back to the back and Mm -hmm. like when this pandemic first hit oh my god i was in heaven i was like you know and i'm still kind of in heaven i still kind of love it like i go to the store once a week just to see like i like to see eric and curtis and it's like it's like this nice consistency there sure but there's also a couple people that we talked about before you know this podcast that like are there every night and it's like holy shit that's the darkness i don't i don't miss at all because you saw those people that are there five or six nights till 3 a.m Oof. they get there at like (laughs) eight they stay till three and you're like how do you what do you okay so what's your least favorite of those five jobs i had a job for it was like for a week it was at a raceway in the midwest like a like a a stock car you know yeah it's called it was in knoxville iowa and i was carried around me like a a bunch of sodas that i had to trek up and down the steps at this raceway in this in the fan stands and you know you just you kept walking you kept doing doing hikes and kept step you know going up steps until you sold out of whatever you were you were selling and you got paid cash at the end of the night, but it was hell. And you were getting hit by chunks of dirt, and your hearing was being it, like it was so loud. All this, all, all the fans had earmuffs, yeah, or ear, earmuffs, whatever those, yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. Yeah. I feel sorry for the same people that work at like the baseball stadiums or did or the you know any sort of any sporting or NASCAR or any raceway anything at all, because those stairs i mean the, especially the people that are carrying the slushies i'm like it's not just the slushy that weighs something it's all the ice that is currently melting all over their body becoming water that is so fucking heavy that's gotta feel great oh well it probably does feel good but then just i would con- i would just start chucking it on my body i wouldn't have lasted you lasted a week i don't think i would have lasted a week well it was only like a week of of the year so it wasn't like i quit the job it oh. just kind of ran up but I, I remember dreading every fucking night of that job oh. because I knew I was going to get hit by chunks of dirt. Oof. And the fans were such like just low lives, just like you can imagine. I mean, they're going to a, a small Iowa town sprint car, you know, raceway on a Wednesday. That's a real specific Fuck crew. Life. Yeah, that's. that's Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We that's uh, the same people with, with, that would do the what would you what would we do at the fair? We would always go to those like. I don't know why I can't think of monster truck rallies where they would like, you know, just be fucking loud. And like, we thought it was so cool. And looking back now, I'm like, what's what at at a fair, like with a hundred other people. And you're like, we are the fucking coolest. And it's like, no, no, we're not. This is weird. Do you find that though? Cause I think you and I grew up in the similar city. Like how many people were in the town you grew up in? How many people like total? As of right now, it's 6,000. Okay, mine was 10,000. I lived in a town called Oskaloosa until like I was 15. But the nearest town was, like our hated town was Pella. Okay. Pella's this Dutch town that has about 10,000 people. That's awesome. And like their big celebrities are uh, Kyle Korver, who plays in the NBA, and then uh, the guitarist from The Killers. <laughs> That's awesome. That's actually really cool. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. But they were like, and then uh, Atumwa, which Tom Arnold's from. Oh, okay. So when I moved to LA, I met Tom Arnold right away. I love that. Yeah, and he took a liking to me, and he I met him at the comedy store, and I got hired the same night. Oh, what a great night. Not that those are related, but yeah. Oh, that's a good, that's kismet. Okay, so you have, yeah. so that's six, actually six. So we said five, so now you've actually had six customer service jobs. Okay, so, and what did we say, yes. what did you say, the least favorite was that, right? Was the... the oh, yeah, the, okay. the, the stock car, the, okay. the vendor, vendor boy. So hard. Okay, what's the weirdest thing you've been asked to do whilst on the clock? You don't have to censor this. We've gotten some weird answers. Oh, boy. Yeah, <laughs> his eyes got real wide. It, it had to have been doing some sort of room service or like it had to have been the hotel job because, I mean, people call room service and they kind of expect anything. Um, do you have an example what? that you're comfortable sharing of one of the anythings you were asked? I, not, let me think. Do you remember Vivian Stringer? Uh-uh. Okay, she was... The bat, and this isn't even like a good story, but she was the she was the basketball coach of uh, God. It was the team that Don Imus got in trouble for calling names in the in 07. Do you remember the Rutgers? Oh, for Rutgers, okay. Rutgers women's basketball coach. Um, she she answered the door in like a robe, which is weird. She was kind of a celebrity, and she was in town for like a speaking engagement. So that was always weird how like people would answer. I mean, people answer room service orders and whatever get up like they had like they have very little respect for the person that's bringing it in so you see how that like they don't even bother to clean up their (laughs) fucking space 
Like, you see how people <laughs> actually live. So I, I guess that was, out of all my customer service jobs, that's the one where I really, I think I learned the most about people was delivering room service Oh, tell me more. Orders. Why, do you, why do you say that? I mean, for the same reason, you know, you, you get to go in their room and, you know, I do it too. Like, if I'm in a hotel room and the maid, like, I don't, I kind of clean up for the maid, but so I'm not. I'm not trying to impress, you know, this freaking 23-year-old acne-faced room service person coming in. <laughs> you know? So you don't care. Wait, is were you asked, I don't know, were you asked to bring up anything that you were like, mm, this is an escort or mm, this is, you know, <laughs> we're doing some things in this room that I don't want to know about. The weirdest request in all customers. Oh, I, I don't know. I guess this might be a, a fun request is uh, work in the comedy store. I was talking to Eric about this the other night, like Ron White. I always made sure he got a ride home because he would always ask me, like if he was drinking too much, he'd be like, hey, you give me a ride home. Yeah, he, <laughs> so, like, uh, that, that love him, but he drinks and oh, says yeah. things. And I mean, he makes his own tequila. so <laughs> Which is actually, it's actually kinda, good, but also. Yeah, but he, he'd always ask me, be like, hey, you give me a ride home. Like whenever he knew he had too much and I would a couple times, but. I kind of, you know, realized I couldn't be up till 5 a.m., so I gave the job to Nick Kakaris. <laughs> and I asked Nick. Nick, you know, the next day, like, hey, how was partying with Ron and White? He's like, it was amazing. He made tacos. <laughs> <laughs> like, you know, I at least, when I would give Ron White rides home, we'd go to his house, and we'd smoke some pot, and we'd, we'd talk, <laughs> and... uh and, you know, but, but we wouldn't really drink. You know, I re regretfully gave the job to my coworker, Nick, who does party and can match Ron. Oh, yeah, he can. And probably wasn't a good combo. So Nope. I'm surprised yeah. they both got out of that alive, to be honest. Jesus. <laughs> but I want to go back to one thing you said before when you said you learn the most about people from delivering room service. What is it? What's the number one thing you learned about people in that and we're going to get into the nice stuff in dessert but i'm just curious is there something that you specifically you know you can look back now and say oh i learned this specific thing from ha just that job i would say that people are slobs hello I, I knew that bussing tables but like you know i really also understood that people treat rentals things like very disposable yes you know they're not they're, they're not going to this hotel they're not probably ever going to be here again well i had a good girlfriend in college buy um a rental car as her like regular car because it was on sale it's i forget where and we all said to her we're like that car is gonna have issues people drive those cars like crazy and all of her girlfriends all of us were like don't do it don't do it don't do it and she's like no no no, it's fine because it was really cheap and we were all so poor and she bought it and it was like that car was in the shop not a lot <laughs> because wow. people drive rental cars the way they treat hotel rooms and it's like yeah they don't care about the engine they don't need to who cares anyway okay yeah i also also i realized that because it was an old hotel, so it, it really banked on that reputation. And since then, when I make reservations or go out of town or whatever, I don't really give a shit about how historic it is. Because, you know, that is such a, a selling point to, like, like my mom. And sure, like, sure. Kind of like that demographic. But, sure. like, it wasn't a fan. Like, it was, it was way overpriced. You know, to upkeep, like, a hotel room and make profit, I think I remember hearing, and I sh I'm sure it's gone up a bit since, but, like, 20 bucks a night you just have to make, you know, to pay for... And I'm sure it's probably, like, 40 or 50, but you know what I mean? Like, sure. if you're paying... 200 bucks a night for a hotel room that really just needs 50 to, to break profit. That's crazy. Sucker. That's crazy. Yeah. That makes me so angry. I'm thinking of all the hotels I've paid ridiculous money for. That makes me sick in my stomach. Okay. What is an incident that made someone ask to speak with your manager whilst you were working in some sort of customer service job? Can you think of one? Oh boy. I don't know if I can. It's okay. Um, yeah, no, I, I don't think I have. I do. I took a room service up to a guy that was really creepy and kind and had that smile like that frozen smile like Ooh. you know Ooh. and Ooh, did, I just didn't blink Ooh. really appreciative and tipped well and then i remember came down and said like my milk was like warm or something and it was an editable or something and like threw it on the ground 
I remember that hitting kind of hard and like, oh, there's there's real psychos out there. That feel I just got chills when you were telling that story. No lie. That feels like a psychotic sort of choice. You know, those people that give you a real like warm greeting. Yes. And then like you see them an hour or two later and they do a 180. Yep. And I, I remember like the and, you know, the lady working the front desk. Carla saw it and she's like, oh, that guy, he's he like we've had problems with him for the last two days since he's checked in and like, oh, and, and OK, it's, it, it isn't me, but I was at a young enough age where like that shit stays with you for multiple days. It does. And you just described it in such a specific way. It's like, no, that stayed with you for multiple years. That's something yeah. penetrates your brain and you're like, that's parked. I bet yeah. he went on to murder a lot of people. OK, what was the hopefully? <laughs> such an (laughs) asshole what was the last straw that got you out of the so the job right before the comedy store would have was it they was the hotel right yeah yeah so what was the last straw that got you out of that job comedy you were just like i can't do this anymore yeah yeah it's just like you know we we would we would get i get to meet like the biggest celebrity to come to des moines every three months like that's not cool enough to stay here You know, like that was the perk of like bartending at a at a downtown Des Moines hotel is whoever was in town to speak to at a convention or like lobby for a, a, a caucus politician was there. Yeah, that, was there. that's so funny. OK. Have you ever told a customer to fuck off? Um. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it would have been either bartending the VIP bar or the front. For sure, because you get those people that like feel entitled to hang out and that you're lonely and that, you know, to they just see you like not doing anything and they think you're alone and they like talk to you and they like camp there and think that they're doing you a favor. It's like go like even uh, there's this guy named Kevin that used to come to the store and hand out a hundred dollar bills to people. Whoa. And he'd give and he would hang out at the front and he'd like give Toby a hundred bucks and then he would talk to him. And if he would talk to him for like longer than like a 30 minutes, Toby would say, give me another hundred. Are you kidding me? But Toby's yeah. so mean. I, God damn it. Toby. But you know, those rich people that yeah. come to the comedy store and yeah. they try to appear like something. And it's, you, you do think of like, okay, is it worth, whatever amount of money I can make out of this, is it worth listening to this guy's bullshit for 20 minutes? Because, <laughs> you know, a lot of the biggest tippers at the, at the store, at least bartending, are also the ones that will hang out and talk your ear off. Yeah, they want your time. Well, and I mean, yeah. listen, I, I understand going to, I mean, I bartended for a while at a bar where it was like, it was the lonely bar and people would post and I would talk to them for hours and I'd have to just like, you know, whatever, because that was the sort of song and dance of that particular bar. But it was the song and dance of that particular bar. And I knew that. The comedy store, it's far too fast. It's too high volume. And it becomes, even if this person is lonely, which is genuinely sad. Like, I don't want people to be hurting and think the only place they can go for friendships is the comedy store. Jesus. But you also, its it becomes an issue of you're hindering me from doing my job. And I will say, for people that haven't been to the comedy store, there's a VIP bar, which is in the deep, deep, deep back, that is allegedly only for um, the comics and their guests. But people can sneak back there because of the sort of area that it is. And everything is so fast that if you just act like you've been there before, nobody's going to stop you because nobody knows who anybody's fucking in the current moment. So it's like, oh, that girl could be you know, somebody else's girlfriend or whatever. And I remember one time you were working the VIP bar and you came and you were getting ice or something. You were just like, I'm coming out of there. And you were taking forever to put, like you were like putting like a single cube into the like ice bucket. And I was like, Lucas, what are you doing? And you were like, people are really annoying back there and they keep talking to me. <laughs> it's like, I go, yeah. okay. I was like, well, who is it in particular? And you were like, I don't know. And I don't think they're guests of anyone but I don't have the energy to kick him out. <laughs> and you took your ice bucket yeah. and went back there. And I was like, oh, that part of the VIP bar would suck. The being trapped and not yeah. knowing who you can kick out or who you can't. That would be, that would get no, that That was my customer service move back there. If there was a, somebody I didn't know if they belong there. Because yeah, you feel weird. Like I'm a paid regular. I feel a special entitlement to that bar. Also as an employee, like, okay, that's for us. Mm-hmm. But like you said, there's so many instances like, oh, that's Jeff Ross's girlfriend. Or that's mm-hmm. whoever. So my move would always be if I wasn't sure, I would just go and not be in the bar and hang out right outside of it. And eventually... If you know they, you should get the hint and leave. Like if there's not a bartender back there, if it's if you're just in a stale air room with 
you know, like, but really, honestly, most of them didn't take the hint. So I would have to go back in there and like. So annoying. Yeah. But I do like that freedom that the store has that like, if I just didn't like a customer in that back bar, I would just leave them and hopefully they take the hint and leave. <laughs> and then you, you could also go to that sacred ground and like go through, look through the window and see if they're still in there. You know, you can kind of spy on them. So true. Yeah. I don't miss the annoying customers. Oof, I don't know. I don't, I don't miss the VIP bar is so great some nights and then other nights oh my god kill me yeah no thanks yeah how many bodily fluids have been on you whilst you were working has anyone's bodily anything been on oh, you? hopefully just a couple <laughs> <laughs> i mean okay that i know of yeah nothing crazy have you been barfed on no you're lucky uh do you tip do i tip mm-hmm. oh yeah how much i mean i'm not i'm not uh 20 to 25 percent that's nothing like that's very generous yeah basically everyone i've ever asked says somewhere between the range of 20 and 30 percent because all of us yeah if they say anything above 30 they're lying (laughs) or they're trying to sound (laughs) better than they are yeah (laughs) um okay do you ever not tip um i mean not really i guess some things like you know like any but like i don't always well no i probably tip half the time at like a coffee shop I go to, I would say maybe. Okay, what you know if, what I mean? Like, yeah, I'm not I'm not consistent with the coffee either. Do you tip with Uber and Lyft? Because you take it every day now. You said yes, you do. Yes, every trip, every yes. trip. Yeah, yeah, wow, at least a generous. couple bucks. That's generous. Unless they talk to me. <laughs> just so your if they brand. talk to me, it's just <laughs> it's so downhill. Okay. <laughs> Have you ever been stiffed? Oh yeah. Okay. Does it happen in the VIP bar more or in the at the service well more? Oh, oh boy, that's a great question. Doesn't happen much at either because you kind of they're all comedians, so you don't you know like you're not gonna stiff anybody you know. Mm, I've seen I've seen some of them stiff y'all. No, that's that's true too. That's the fun part about being a comedian and a bartender is I know the ones that don't tip. Yeah. And there's a couple like famous, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. big ma- money making, and, and everybody, and you know what? That's, I guess, the biggest, a couple of the huge things I learned from the store is everybody who works in comedy talks, and they also work in comedy in some facet, probably for the rest of their lives. Yep. Whether they get off stage or remain on stage or become producers or, you know, yep, comedy is very tiny. Yep. And word gets around. People sure <laughs> gossip does. like motherfuckers. Yeah, they do. They don't have a lot else going on. It's so true. Have you ever been fired from a customer service job? No. No. I don't, you're not a fireable. You work really, really fucking hard. Okay. Um, who's the worst customer you've ever had to interact with? Oh, uh, I remember not being impressed with Al Sharpton. Really? <laughs> I remember he came in and I'm like, yeah, this was his fat phase. And he was... <laughs> I remember he was unhappy he, he was look he was looking at her breakfast buffet and he, i don't know if, if his mind was on something else the worst customer i ever had jesus or some just even an example of one that you that spoke talked to you rudely or spoke to you outside of your name or called you something and you were like wow this is uh this is unacceptable or somebody you chose not to serve because they were being so terrible to you or just being terrible in general i want to i yeah i I will interject while you're thinking. There was a time when a couple comics who were not, they may be paid regulars, I don't really know. They come to the store a fair amount, but they always bring people and they never tip. And we were salammed. And it was like, a I forget what, it was a Friday or Saturday night. And Lucas was at one of the wells and he had a mountain of tickets that he had to get to. One of these comics kept being like, hey, 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 hey. And Lucas straight up didn't even turn, was just working on the mountain of tickets. And then finally was like, I have to get to all of this. And then you just went right back to work and you weren't rude. You were just making it very clear. And I was like, that has to be the most annoying, especially because he doesn't tip. And he wanted, I mean, it was clear it was like a round of shots for a group of people. It wasn't just, can I get a water? You know? Yeah. No, there's there's nothing I love more than that. When entitled people come during a busy time and you have a legit excuse not to pay attention to them. Yeah, I like to give them just enough attention to know that like I know that they're there, but I also don't care to hear their problem. <laughs> I I don't know if this this is gonna sound like I it's so hard to think of like the worst customer, but I remember as a bus boy, one of the first like big conventions Iowa had was like for the National Department of the Blind. Aww. So our restaurant was full of blind people. And I remember like to, <laughs> to get attention, they would like clap. And it, it was, I mean, and you can't like get too mad. 
But also, one of my jobs was to vacuum at the end of the night, and they all had dogs, and all the dogs ate the crumbs from the eggs and shit. Oh my god! So like so you that didn't was have to a, vacuum that was a bonus. Yeah, that's you didn't great. have to vacuum. Oh, what but yeah, that was like one of the worst, and that was one of my first like customer service experiences, and like a, a job that I would have for a, mo- a long time was it was when that within a few months was like we were slammed on a Saturday, just full of of people at this blind convention, and it's like oh, it's it's always going to be easier than this. I am not laughing at people with disabilities <laughs> or people that have the disadvantage of being blind. I th- I can't imagine walking through life like that. All I can just envision is a scenario of getting your ass handed to you by a bunch of people clapping. Like I can't no. it it and simultaneous clapping at various tables. I am not laughing at blind cl- people, but that is that visual. Someone needs to put that in a screenplay. Oh, they were clapping, asking, "Where's my food?" And you got. I mean, I there, we're just we got three people, and that's because they also three, probably three can't see how busy probably, it is. They don't know how many employees there. I no. mean, it's like they do actually like the entitled people that are essentially clapping at us at at any of the various jobs I've worked at. It's like. But you can actually see that we're getting our ass handed to you. Like blind people, it's yeah. like well, they couldn't see that a that there were only three of you, and also that you know you were getting your ass handed to you. So oh, okay, that's great. Yeah, that, that's a good way to put it because the 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 act of clapping, I think, is so insulting. But <laughs> yes, you have to take that extra step and say, oh, they they don't they can't they they can only hear the ruckus. Right, and that ruckus could yeah. be coming from five tables of clappers as opposed to fifty yeah. tables. You know what I mean? Like. God love. Yeah. Okay. Well, on that note, we're going to transition on to the good stuff. We hope you saved room for dessert. Okay. What is the nicest thing a customer has done for you whilst you were working? Oh, boy. And you're not name dropping if it happens to be a celebrity. It doesn't, it doesn't have to be, but it can be. I mean, Roddy Piper was an old professional wrestler that like when I was a door guy and I was really tired at the end of the night, I was working the two jobs. I was interning at the time at my day job and there was like 14 hour, 16 hour days. And I remember like I would, the main room would close at like midnight and I would just go and sleep in there and Roddy Piper would like play the piano and like... If I didn't get up that night, he'd have me go up in the main room and like I could perform, you know, tell jokes for him or whatever. That is actually really, really lovely. That's actually a good. I mean, if you can't think of another customer this experience, that's fine because that is a really lovely story of someone being aware of your biggest desire to perform. Yeah, that's really lovely. Okay, what's the best tip you've ever gotten? Ooh. I mean, the consistent hundos from Rogan are nice. Yeah, those are great. He's great. I'm going to miss that. Yeah. Hopefully Austin doesn't work out and he has to move back, you know? Fingers but, crossed. No. R.I.P. the um, comedy no, story. I, 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 seriously. I, I, I hope to not be back. That's what that's what a lot of people are doing. What? That's what's bumming me out is that, yeah, that's happening. I get it, but it's, yeah, that's happening. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's like a consistent, consistent good tip. Yeah. Who's the, the best? Who's the best customer you've ever interacted with, or one of the best that you can think of? One of the best. Oh boy, God dang it! Um, do you remember Dennis Kucinich? The name is familiar, but I don't know why. He's from Ohio. He ran for president okay. back in like 2008. Yeah, that... I remember I had like an hour and a half long conversation with him about politics. <laughs> he was like the mayor. He was like the mayor of Cincinnati too. I think. Re- then I should really know him because Cincinnati's the nearest yeah. city to me. Uh, that name. I was like, that name is super familiar. Jerry Springer's the only mayor I really remember. Yeah, he, he he was. I think kind of one of the more prominent Democrats that were like anti-war the whole time back in 2004. Oh. You know, and kind of ran on that. That's dope. But I remember having a long conversation with him because we wouldn't have, there'd be nights where we'd just be dead. Like on a Wednesday, nobody's going to a hotel bar except for like hookers every once in a while, you know, and businessmen, which was always fun to like decide, you know, look out for. But I remember talking to him for a long time. He's running for president and thinking like he talked to me for too long. Oh, you know, where like if you're a real good politician, you can kind of like cut it out yeah yeah it's like oh he talked to me for an hour and a half he'll never be president (laughs) (laughs) turns out you were right that's a good litmus test dude is stand a chance Um, yeah i'm jumping off of script for a second was there a specific tell with hookers that you as the hotel you had a policy i shouldn't call them hookers sex workers where you had a policy that was 
okay, when sex workers come, you just give them the key, show them the room and pretend like nothing happened. Or was it because I, I had a friend that worked at a hotel that had a no sex worker policy. So if it was obvious, they were told you you are not welcome here. Whereas in most hotels, it's sort of a hush hush. You know, the Beverly Hilton <laughs> handles business for folks. Okay. So did you yeah, have, right. did your hotel have some sort of policy about it? If they keep drinking, they're fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's the pause that feels real okay um what yeah. what's the best lesson that you've learned having worked in customer service Ooh, uh, general patience okay patience and understanding are the kind of the universal ones hopefully yeah we get that a lot um yeah okay and what i also a- judge people based off of what they drink you know i mean there's like things they'll always take with me but wait give me are, an ex- yeah. give me an example of a drink that and what the judgment is that goes along with it well the basic if someone comes to you as a server bartender and doesn't know what they want fucking you know get out of our face no waste of time yes you know if they want something fruity but not too fruit you know something strong but not too strong they don't know what they want but uh yeah like definitely martinis what does a martini um, mean? You know, if they're drinking it with gin, they're probably old. If they're oh. drinking it with vodka, they're young. But I like gin martinis, you know? And so, like, it's, it's, I find myself feeling older the more my drinking taste kind of change. <laughs> sure. I could see know? that. Yeah. Well, you burned it out working at the store in your 20s. So now you have just sophisticated yeah. taste because you have to. You can only drink so many Smirnoff ices before you're like, man, oh. this is actual gasoline in a bottle. Yeah. So you see the white claw craze now. It's like, oh my God. Oh, people, oh I have people swearing by that. And I'm like, please never let any bar I ever work at again. If I have to work at a bar again, ever carry that. Cause I don't want that particular human in the bar. Yeah. And I've, yeah. that's my, that's my statement. Sorry, friends. If you drink it, I have an opinion. <laughs> okay. And what's one piece of advice you would give to customers who interact with customer service workers? Ooh, just in general, be patient. I was really cognizant these last few months, like not to overreact as far as like when I'm in a car, because people everywhere seemed a little bit more on edge. Yes. And I, I, you know, like everybody's kind of collectively losing our minds. So you don't know what kind of day someone's had. Be patient. And uh, one move that I really make sure to do, and it's kind of creepy, I understand, but like I always try to know my server's name. That's not creepy at all. I genuinely appreciate that when people make that effort. It's a tell for me because if I tell you, I mean, I don't have time at the store. If you ask me, I'll tell you, but I'm not like, hi, I'm Kate. We have blah, blah, blah. I can't do it. But if I did that <laughs> and I would do that when I was bartending, I made sure to say my name. And if people would say, excuse me, Kate, they got ahead of all the server tickets. They got ahead of everybody else at the bar that was doing that. Hey, 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 shit to me, who also probably yeah. knew my name. If I got an excuse me, Kate, you were getting your drink right now. Yeah. So I don't think that's creepy. My dad, he's a he's a small town doctor, but he he knows every patient's birthday. Oh, bless him. Like he he. He just, he's Rain Man like that. But like, I just try to like remember. I always sometimes look at Facebook and see who has a birthday coming up. And if like you can remind somebody of their birthday coming up before they do, like they'll feel so special. That's a fact. That's a really thoughtful, lovely little thing. Well, how can people get in touch with you, Lucas? Do you want to give out your socials or your website? And where can people see the viral Yelp review videos that I have been hearing about so much and seeing and thinking are hilarious? Um, Thank you for all your help with those, Kate. I I really appreciate it. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm the same everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, at Lucas Hurl. Lucas is, you know, L-U-C-A-S, and then Hurl is H-I-R-L. It's like girl with an H. Got made fun of growing up. Fuck them. Wayne's World 2 ruined my life. <laughs> Wait, why? Um, the I remember the, the, the poster said, you'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll hurl. Oh, my God. And would people and just... I got a pretty pretty bad at school well it got you into comedy so i guess we the advantage is ours Damn now right <laughs> okay but yeah find me anywhere and what what inspired the yelp because what lucas does is he does these really hilarious yelp reviews that are all uh, video yelp reviews of various events and things and they're hilarious what inspired that idea I went to Stephen Randolph and Chelsea Skidmore's wedding, mm-hmm. and I got seated at like one of the last tables. You know, like as far as like the food, the whoever, you know, like there's dinner, and like we were the last table to like get fed. Sure, I was pissed about it, <laughs> and so I I was seated with like Stephen's manager, and I was like, we're finally getting up to like get in line and get. It was like Italian, you know, Italian food. 
And we're, of course, we're the last table, so we have the longest walk, too. And in this longest walk, I say, say to his manager, Michael, I say, you know, I want to yelp this fucking wedding. <laughs> you know, it's like the lettuce will be wilted. <laughs> and just thinking of, like, all these apocalyptic scenarios that, like, because we were waiting, like, maybe 45 minutes, you know. But uh, I, I, I thought the idea of yelping my friend's wedding as a wedding present to them would be a good one. And I gave it two stars and it was doing really well on Facebook when I released it that day. And my friend whose wedding I yelped, they were both in Italy on a boat, very offended by it. And they called me and told me to take it down. So I did. I didn't know that. I wondered why it, oh, I did not know that. Yeah. Okay. And then they asked me, you know, like a a year later to put it back up. I'm like, fuck you. Yeah, and no. I did, but you did. Well, no, it had I, you know, it really started as a fun joke. And if I knew that I would make more of them, I think I would have kind of made fun of the wedding more because there were things about it that like Steve-O was there <laughs> in like a polka dot three three piece suit, and I didn't even make mention of that. And that's hilarious. That's like a random. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> like yeah, that would have been an important it, detail. <laughs> oh yeah, no, but I, I intended it as kind of a stupid present. For Chelsea and Steven, just to like, you're, you're reviewing something that will never happen again. Sure. <laughs> like, sure. And, and also, I like the entitlement that people bring to real life Yelp reviews. Facts. Facts. I think there's something very funny about like thinking that I can like, you know, critique a whole Black Lives Matter movement or like. <laughs> <laughs> Which he did. Which right. he did. You should look up. It's very funny. I like the balancing acts. Yeah, it's great. Well, yeah, I, 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 I like that self-righteousness. Yeah, they're great. So you need to find those on his YouTube page. Please. Folks, we're going to drop your checks now. Thank you so much for listening. If you want to help us out here at Service from Hell, leave us a five-star review on iTunes and tell your friends to listen. It will help us reach more people that need to be schooled in the art of being kind and will be catharsis for those of us still working in the industry. If you want to get in touch with us here at Service from Hell, send us your receipts at servicefromhellpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Remember... If you can't afford a tip, you can't afford to go out. So don't be garbage and be good to people. It's easier that way. Thank you so much for being on. Lucas, I appreciate you. This was lovely. Thank you for all of your time. And yeah, folks, that's going to be a wrap. We'll see y'all later. Good night. Good night.